0: Whatever Lola wants, Lola gets. And little man, little Lola wants you.
1: Welcome to Bottoms on Top. I'm Prakash. And I'm Andreas. And we're happy to
0: have you. Well, Prakash, happy 2019. We made it. We went from 2018 to 2019. <laughs> <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> I'm excited. It's our last semester here at Penn. We are second semester seniors. I know that means we're not supposed to give a fuck, but I'm still taking seven classes, so y'all, I ain't checked out yet. (laughs) I'm taking five
1: classes, about to switch one to audit and another to pass fail. Skirt. i checked out. (laughs) But it also is our last season on Bottoms on Top. Tears. But we are ending the season with a bang. We are fulfilling a long-time Bottoms on Top dream. We're
0: doing a mukbang. I'm kidding.
1: (laughs) There might be some mukbang here, but we are doing a Bottoms on Top live recording at the Kelly Rider's House. So mark your calendars, listeners. March 28th from 12 to 1 in the Kelly Rider's House. Come see us live. We'll have giveaways. We'll have a lot of fun, special content. And you'll make me really happy. (laughs) So we'll remind you in basically every episode until then. <laughs> you'll You'll not hear the end of it. This is like your save the date. <laughs> <laughs> I know I just r- said like Happy New Year, but that's because we never get our shit together enough for a New Year's episode. So <laughs> right. it's almost Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to talk about best. I was thinking about like the best and worst dates that I've been on because I've never been on a Valentine's Day date, but mm-hmm. I have been on dates that have, like, garnered enough attention from my friends and enough attention in my mind <laughs> <laughs> to classify as something as cinematic as a Valentine's Day date.
0: Ooh. Um,
1: but first, Prakash, I want to hear a little bit from you. Like, do you have a best date you've been on or maybe a worst date? Definitely don't have a best date.
0: Such a queer concept. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. I do have a best date. Tell me. Wait, how. I can tell you. It was like like all things in gay culture. It wasn't really a date. (sighs) Aren't the best ones? Yeah, never actually a date. date. (laughs) But so I was um, taking a weekend off. I was abroad um, in the French city of Marseille, and I was like sitting in this restaurant eating alone. And this British woman like appears behind me, and is clearly having some trouble ordering because everyone in the restaurant spoke exclusively French. And it was like that kind of French where you're like, I don't quite understand. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, I can like try to help, right? And so we started talking and she was like, oh, like I'm here with my son. We're just like taking vacation for the weekend. And she was like, would you like to eat together? You've been very kind to me. And I was like, oh, this is sweet. Thank you. Yeah. So I ate with her, had a meal with her. um, And she was like, well, would you like to like, go down to the beach with me. We can like meet up with my son and we can just like have more of a conversation. It was super cute. So I was like, oh, I'm so into it. And she also paid for a bottle of wine. So it's like, oh, I feel I owe you. I feel I (laughs) owe you a walk on the beach, but also I don't mind. Um, So we go down to the beach and lo and behold, there's her son. He is a British barrister and a snack. (laughs) (laughs) And you
1: were like, oh, oh!" I signed up for a bottle of wine. I didn't know there was yeah, dessert. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and so we we like sit down. We're like all talking and we're talking about like his amazing career. I'm just like, ah! <laughs> like there are noises coming out that I just cannot control. And then his mom just goes. Right. Well, I think I'll leave you two to it then. And just leaves. And I was like, Burr. she just whored out her son. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And
1: so, I love mothers. Who I love read. mothers. Just a, just a quick this, interjection, but I love it. This
0: mother was really here for us. Gloria, if you're listening, <laughs> I love
1: you. Okay, so Gloria leaves.
0: Gloria leaves. And, and her, we just get to talking. Her British her supermodel. British, yes, there. Okay. he's there. And we just had like the nicest conversation he had a bottle of wine. This, this was a family about their wine. And I was about their wine as well. <laughs> um, and like long story short, it was a very sweet beach hookup of sorts. And we ended up like continuing to talk when I went back to London, which is where I was studying abroad and which is where he worked. So it became like this cute little like study abroad fling. And that was honestly the best date like I could have asked for in that situation. That's so adorable. My heart is melting. I love Gloria. I just we need more Glorias in the world. We need (laughs) more Glorias. Period. If you ain't willing to whore out your son, what you doing? (laughs) This is motherhood. Oh wow! Now I don't have a good date (laughs) because that was too good.
1: We'll just talk about my bad date. (laughs) Yes, yes, I want to hear. So I feel like the drudgery, like a lot of queer people, I've had a number of bad dates.
0: Um, We've all scraped the bottom of the barrel at one point. We
1: really all have. Um, I think that... So mine also happened when I was abroad. It was when I had like first arrived in Korea, and an American soldier hit me up and was like, I want to take you out. A military man. And... He was like he suggested going to this like one bar in a gay neighborhood but it was not a gay bar. It was like a very like straight bar and he was like, "Oh, I'll order you some beer?" And I was like, "Okay, I hate beer." So <laughs> we're there and I am talking to him and it's as if I'm talking to a literal brick wall. <laughs> like <Period>. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm saying things. We had some red flags. We yeah. had some red flags. So I'm saying things and he is just not like no. picking anything up. So I start, like, aggressively asking questions now because I'm like, this is really annoying. You're not saying anything, and I'm just talking, et cetera. Like, let's have some conversation. So (laughs) I start asking questions like, oh, where are you from? We realize we're from, like, a similar, like, area in New York. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I was like, what's, like, the best book you've read in a while? And he was like, Mein Kampf. (laughs) And oh no. <laughs> I was just like um wait, excuse me? Mein Kampf? he's like, "Yeah, the one that Hitler wrote." And I was like, "Why?" And he gave me some answer that did not did not make that any better. And next thing he was like, "Oh, so do you want to come back to my house?" I was like, "Um, no, actually, <gasps> um my Uber's outside. Thank you. <laughs> Good night." And it was just I was my wig was gone because usually asking someone like you can usually asking someone what their like the best book is they've read in a while usually doesn't give you an answer that's a like deal breaker you know it's great if you read the book or not but that was just like I don't know dare I say I was on a date with a psychopath (laughs) how is he it really wasn't I just have
0: so many questions like how is someone reading Mein Kampf and
2: (laughs) on Grindr (laughs) like I really didn't get it.
0: At-
1: Could you imagine having those two next to you? Like, yeah. The two evils. I
0: got Mein Kampf in one hand and boys in the other.
1: <laughs> that was definitely one of the worst dates I've been on. <laughs> um, and I think. Yeah. That-
0: horrifying.
1: Like, oh my gosh. So with those in mind. I think we should take to the streets yeah. and get some Bottoms on Top fans, people walking around, people in our classes to tell us about their best and worst dates so we can stay in the Valentine's Day spirit.
0: Let's
3: hear it. Whatever.
1: We're out here on the streets today and we're trying to figure out what is your best and or worst date that you've ever been on for our Valentine's Day special. Are you interested? Sure. (laughs) Okay, great. So what's your name? Fiora. Well, welcome to Bottoms on Top, Fiora. Tell us, what is the absolute worst date you've been on? Give us a full description. We want all the juice.
2: I feel like it maybe wasn't a date to the other person, but... Going to freaking McDonald's on Valentine's Day is not exactly the best date.
1: What did you guys order?
2: I don't even remember, but it was just like, it was a McDonald's on like 40th and Walnut. It's not exactly a romantic location.
1: Do they put the little flowers out there? I know they do that sometimes. They have like little vases with flowers out.
2: Uh, I don't, I actually don't think they did.
1: So... On the flip end, what's the best date you've been on? Hopefully not McDonald's.
2: Um, my boyfriend like made a dinner reservation and got us tickets to see the Nutcracker in New York, like at the New York City Ballet. So that was pretty awesome.
1: Well, I hope there's more Nutcracker dates and not too many McDonald's (laughs) dates. Thanks for joining us, Fiora.
0: (laughs) I'm really thinking about the little flower arrangements on the McDonald's tables. <laughs> the McDonald's flower arrangements are so funny. <laughs> I love it.
1: <laughs> I don't know who did that. Who did that? Who got fired in Chicago <laughs> after they put that out? I want to know. So, Fiora has... That good date it was so cute. Like, a standard date, but just so yeah. Um, We love someone who's willing
0: to do activity planning. We love
1: that. Listening to Fiora's story reminds me of another story that we heard from a good friend of the podcast mark about sometimes a bad date is really expensive (laughs) it's really expensive but it's still bad so (laughs) let's hear what mark has to say about his really expensive bad
3: date hi my name's mark and i'm a junior so the worst date that i've ever been on was actually about two days ago last saturday night you know, I was talking to one of my friends from high school who had done a little bit of, like, escorting, right? So a small daddy situation. He's like, yeah, you know, you don't even have to, like, suck their dicks. You don't have to do anything. You just go to dinner with them and schmooze them a little bit. And then you walk out with a five-course dinner, totally paid for, and 200 bucks in your pocket. I'm like, okay, that sounds good, right? Like, Easy. So I was talking to this guy. He hits me up on Grinder. tells me he's a treasurer of a big company, quotes, whatever that means. And I was like, oh, yeah. He's like, oh, do you want to go out to dinner sometime? And I'm like, yeah, like cha-ching, right? <laughs> so he recommends this place, Amistratoria. Pretty good. Look it up on Yelp. I'm like, okay, I can, like, run up the bill here. And so I, like, meet him at this place. I see him. He's totally bald, like, his picture was maybe, like, his picture was from maybe a solid 25 years ago. (laughs) Is now, like, picture this man now, about, like, 150 pounds heavier, no hair, wrinkles galore, oh, I was like, oh my gosh, what am I gonna get into? Worst case, as I'm walking in, I turn to my left, and I see a close friend on the soccer team, I'm like, oh god, I hope she doesn't see me, I'm like turning around the whole time, like, trying not to face her. And so we sit down, and This must have been the most boring conversations I had all dinner. It's just, like, he was just going on and on about, like, his, like, kid, like, he has kids, like, an estranged wife. Weird. I'm like, what do I even say to this, right? Like, I don't even know how to respond. And then it just felt so awkward the whole time. It's like, this is a, like, trendy restaurant in Old City. Everybody around me is, like... 32, like on a date, or like 28, like nice young couples, and then me with this like 50 year old man just sitting there, and like I can never do this shit again. <laughs> so he goes, he pays for the dinner at the check, ends up, right, he ran up the bill as $80 each, a $160 splurge. He paid for it, and then he was like, Yeah, it was great to meet you, and I'm like, Oh shit, bye. <laughs> So that was about it. My worst day.
1: (laughs) Well. 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 (laughs) Sometimes when you do clownery, the clown comes back to bite. It bites. (laughs) And, you know, we do not daddy shame. We do not daddy
0: shame. But, you know, sometimes it's funny to just realize that it's not for you. (laughs) So you just heard about a not-so-sweet encounter with a sugar daddy. But what happens when you unwittingly end up being the sugar daddy. Let's go to Matt.
1: Hi, my name is Matt Wilson. I'm a senior. Let me tell you about the worst date I've ever been on. So I'll take you back to summer 2018 when I was in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, And I went on a Tinder date with this guy. And so we went to karaoke. He brought six of his friends. I brought six of mine. Um, Everything was going fine until it was time to pay the check. And suddenly I turned around and this man is puking all over the floor in this karaoke place. Everywhere. Just vodka remnants everywhere. And so he was obviously couldn't pay the check, so I paid the check. Covered the bill for everybody. A day later, venmoed him. He never venmo me back. Worst date I've ever been on. Was he cute? <laughs> obviously not after that, honey. Well, <laughs> I've never had someone... Thus, like, outright make me pay the bill like Right. Well, first of all, vomit all over my... (laughs)
0: Vomit all over an establishment, but then make me pay the bill. I've never had that. This is a lesson for all you honeys. Make sure you have your dates on Zelle, Venmo, and Facebook before (laughs) you go out. Every mode of cash payment. (laughs) So,
1: I think one thing that we learned from Matt is that dates with friends a no-go although mm. the friends weren't really part of that whole mix dates right. with friends are still a no-go because if it was just me and him i would have taken that wallet been like listen listen split <laughs> um we have another interview with a good friend of the podcast becca where she tells us about a horrible date where she met her date's friends let's hear from becca
2: hi my name's becca lambright the worst date i've ever been on was my sophomore year uh, I went to a housewarming party with some guy, which, like, first off, it was a terrible mistake, right, immediately. I'm like, hi, it's our first date. Let's go meet all of your friends. Um, so we went to Fishtown for this housewarming party. Um, I realized I know not a single person. And within, like, ten minutes, this man has ditched me. I have no idea where I am. I don't know anyone. I don't even know how to, like, get around the house. And eventually I end up being crowded by three wannabe stand-up comedians who are blackout and have decided that, like, I am the poor victim that must listen to all of their potential stand-up stats, and then they want me to pick a winner, and, like, these, let let me be clear, these men are, like, 35. They're 35, I'm 19, I'm terrified, I don't know what's going on, and then they put me on the spot, and they're like, who's the winner? And I was like, oh, no, oh, no, I've gotten myself into a situation that I can't escape from. I'm, like, looking, I'm panicking, I'm, like, wildly searching for this man in the crowd, and, like, he's nowhere to be seen, and I end up, crying because i'm so stressed i just break out in tears and it's also the only way i can think of to get these men away from me to stop talking to me so i just start crying and it, it works like they immediately vacate, and they're like oh no woman with tears woman with tears and they all run away but then i'm just in the middle of a housewarming party sobbing loudly by myself and i look like a child to like in comparison to everyone else there and um i end up just like ubering home by myself <laughs> And never talking to this person ever again. (laughs) That was the only reason why I was able to save like any of my dignity is that he did not see any of this go down because I found out later from his Instagram story that he was in like a multi-round Pong tournament in the backyard, which is where I lost him because he like immediately found out there was Pong and then ran away and left me.
1: Okay.
0: Listeners, you heard it here first. Pong, a weapon of mass destruction. Period. (laughs) (laughs) Nuclear bombs have nothing on Pong. I am just
1: like, it sucks when someone's friends suck and you like them. Yeah. Realizing that on the first date that their friends suck before (laughs) the actual person sucks (laughs) is actually insane. Yeah. So Becca has a great, good date though, and I think the secret to a great date may just be something small intimate and fun right let's hear what Beck has to say about a good date
2: i'm a really cheap date honestly like i don't need a lot to have a good time so i think the best date i ever went on was um i went to i went thrifting um to philly aids on it was like they have that one events like first friday first saturday of the month where like you just throw everything into a garbage bag and it's like seven bucks or something So we went and we found, like, a bunch of, like, really amazing, like, authentic Levi jeans, and I was, like, very happy with our crop, and then we went um, back to his place, and we cooked, like, a full three-course meal, even though neither of us are that good at cooking. Um, Yeah, we cooked, like, a full three-course meal, and we also put on, like, a really shitty sitcom in the back, and, like, we just spent the entire day together, like, doing that, and, like, creating something, it was very... It made me feel very comfortable. I felt very relaxed. I didn't feel a lot of pressure to, like, come up with conversation because there was something already happening. And, like, there was no, like, financial boundaries on anyone. It was just, like, a very – I don't know. It was just, like, a very calm, fun, enjoyable night. And I think that was, like, my best date ever.
0: So intimate.
1: We love that. Uh, This reminds me of your, like, accidental date, you know, where it's just, like, (laughs) something small and cute. So, queers, if you're listening – Don't go big on Valentine's Mm -mm. Day. Just
0: Just create. Create something. Create a space. Create a Mm, vibe. Create something
1: cute. Well, listeners, thanks for listening to our love stories. Um, These were a lot of fun to do. We're going to do more Men on the Street this season,
0: I think. Hit us up on Instagram, on Facebook, so we can hear some of your stories in the future. Yes, ma'am. And... We'll
1: be back in a minute. We are going to have a discussion about coming out and coming into yourself in college. Welcome
0: back, listeners. Today, we're going to have a little conversation about coming out and coming into yourself while you're in college. We're here with two very special guests. If you guys would like to introduce yourselves,
4: of course. Um, hi, guys. I'm Danny. This is the first time I'm doing a podcast. I'm a senior majoring in computer science. I'm from Miami, and I'm happy to be here. Hi,
5: I'm Olivia Ruiz. Uh, I go here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: story
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's it that's
5: no i'm a senior and i am in an organization with prakash and andreas
6: hi i'm jeremy wyman um i'm a sophomore i also go here um and i know prakash through an organization that we're in
0: look at us with these organizational connections so So involved we've got our networks across the (laughs) campus well, let's get started by talking a little bit about, we came into college one way, and maybe now, at this point in our college careers, we are seeing ourselves a little differently. So let's start by talking about, you know, how we felt coming in versus how we feel co- how we feel right now. Like, what's changed? Have we, you know, let, let's just, like, establish where we are in our journey.
5: <laughs> uh... So, like coming in, I was just I don't know, I was a baby. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I was a child, but um, I was i identified as pretty straight. I didn't really think too much about it now I'm like pretty openly bisexual. I lean more towards like femme, but like you know it's a balance,
6: <laughs> um, yeah, so kind of similar when i when I came in. I identified as straight, but I knew like designation didn't fit right like mm-hmm. that didn't feel right to me. I knew I was like at least questioning um, and now I'm pretty openly queer. I think that there's something special
1: about college and that transitional period in your life where you're more likely to recognize something new about yourself or try new things. What do you think exactly? is good about college for coming into yourself and eventually coming out and what might be kind of shitty about college to do those types of things?
5: I think for me, the good part was like I had a lot of, once I was in college, I felt like I had a lot of control over who knew Mm -hmm. and like, there are a lot bigger communities to reach out to for support where I didn't feel like my close friends were like, like you want them and you want them to know stuff. But like when you're figuring it out, it's kind of nice to like be able to go to strangers and be like, what am I doing? And then they're like, "Uh, okay, Um, here's some advice. Um, The hard part is though, is that you're on your own in college. So it's like you're dealing with all of your own normal stresses and trying to take care of yourself on your own. And then it's like, am I just stressed or am like, is there actually something I'm not like dealing with about my identity or am I just hungry? <laughs> All
4: valid. Yeah. yeah. Like, seriously.
5: <laughs>
0: Thank you for capturing the full range of possible human experiences. In college. Hungry, stressed, identity politics. <laughs>
6: I feel like I have, like, very good perspective because I just did it last year. Um, And so, like, coming into college, I remember I was just thinking, like, my my whole life was, like, a huge, like, delta sign. Like, my whole life was change. Mm -hmm. And there were no support systems. I was, like, figuring out all this new stuff about myself. It was hard, but it was also this space allowed me to, like, metamorphize. And, like, I don't even really recognize the person i was back in high school i was so entrenched in being one person in high school that like i wasn't allowing myself to like any sort of change that i that started to like happen internally i like squashed down like no you are this person that mm-hmm. you've known for however many years like and so yeah i feel like college like sort of like shook up the everything and allowed it to settle correctly
0: yeah I definitely feel that. I feel like when I was in high school, there was, like, the Prakash that people had interacted with from whenever I had moved there to, like, when I graduated high school. And that was the Prakash. And I don't – it wasn't a great brand, but I felt like I had to maintain it. Like, I was, like, got to have that brand identity, like – so I, I feel that. I feel like when I came to college, I was like, mm, no, let's shake it up. Like, let's do something different and see what comes out. And it was, like, messy. Like, stuff spilled out over the edge, you know, like when I was shaking her. like Yeah.
4: Actually, it's interesting because I came to Penn with, like, 10 of my high school friends. And my brother was already here. He's two years older than me. So for me, that was actually a bad thing. Like, college wasn't a place for me to be able to, like, start completely clean and just have a new slate because I was bringing so much of home with me, Mm. um, which actually did hold me back a lot in being who I fully was, um, which sucked. So, but if that didn't happen, like college is the ideal place for sure. Like it's a huge place for people to transition. Like I know a bunch of people in my high school. I think there was like maybe one queer person in my senior class and now I feel like there's 12 Mm. and that all happened once everyone left their homes and like left you know their high schools and like decided to go to college met new people met a variety of different people a huge community here like the queer community here is lit as fuck can i curse yeah Yeah, yeah. (laughs) please (laughs) it's it's lit as fuck and super welcoming so like that gave me a lot of confidence to like make strides here but yeah coming home like coming here with the baggage of home actually did hold me back a lot i want
1: to have a conversation about Sort of like the responsibility of experimentation and how people who are already out can help others experiment responsibly and otherwise. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on this. I've thought about it a lot recently.
5: I guess as the experimenter, it's your responsibility to be completely honest. Mm. Because, I mean, with it's like building any relationship. If you want to grow with someone or you want to be able to find these things about yourself, you have to be open about it and you have to be very honest. And I guess it's for people who are already out, it's like accepting that like when you are experimenting, there's part of you that already knows this is probably for you. Like if you're going out there and doing it, like there's a good chance that you're like it's. Like this isn't like I'm in my bedroom like thinking about it like googling boobs like, <laughs> I, I like you are out there like trying to do something, so I guess not seeing people experimenting as like maybe just that but like realizing you're gonna eat, you're gonna help this person grow no matter what and it, like like any relationship really like you both grow from it you might get hurt but that's part of putting yourself out there
0: yeah, we ain't in no Tumblr porn anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the real world.
6: <laughs> <laughs> I've been on the other end where I've been the one like experimenting mostly. I haven't really helped anyone uh, yet. Um, but I feel like I've probably been doing that irresponsibly as well, which is, I guess, something I want to caution other people against. <laughs> I don't want to say, like, I've i used people, but I feel like definitely um, in finding myself, like, I haven't been genuinely, like, searching for a romantic connection, which I feel like is disingenuous and probably not the best.
4: So me personally, when I said I was experimenting, it was more like I just decided to, like, be myself. I've known my entire life that I was queer. Like, I've known my entire life I like women. Um, it was more just, like, deciding to, like, do that. So when I was experimenting with other women in Seattle, it wasn't it wasn't like, oh, like I don't want to be like super public or anything. It was just kind of like it was my first time doing these things. So mm-hmm. that's what I meant by experimenting. Mm-hmm. However, I have been on the other end several times. That same summer in Seattle, I had a girl who had never like been with another woman and we were spending time together and it was like new to me too. Um and it was actually I think it was more like an issue of communication because for me it actually kind of made me sad if i tried to hold her hand in public like she would like right take her hand away right. and i was just kind of like you don't know anyone in the city like what what do you have to fear so that was a little hurtful but if she would have just like communicated that like she's not fully comfortable or like where she is in her sexuality too for me my issue is like if people are just experimenting because they're curious and they just want to like have a little fun but I'm over here getting feelings and getting attached like that's not that's not a good time for me and I'm kind of in that situation like right now not really I think she's working on it but I'm in a place right now where I'm like not feeling too great about myself because of that
0: yeah the person that I'm actually currently in a relationship with I entered this relationship when they were in a very unsure place in their Mm -hmm. sexuality And so part of, like, the important conversation that we had to have was, well, if you're in this unsure place, then it's really clear that you maybe, like, maybe you don't know exactly where you're going to be in, like, two months' time. And so it's really hard for us to, like, put, like, a really certain label on any of it. So that was, like, a big part of, like, the initial conversation. And I, like, I think that that aspect, having that conversation and being, like, well, maybe neither of us knows, like, where either of us will be if one of us is like still in this place where we're not we haven't ironed out all the kinks you know Mm. um so yeah maybe experimenting is a lot about talking it's a lot about like talking to yourself talking to your partner whoever they may be yeah
1: so we just touched on how people around you maybe can help you help other people come into themselves and come out but there are always going to be people and forces working against you that are toxic or not really encouraging to coming out. And I think that a lot of those forces exist in college that don't exist in other places. So what are some of those things that you might have encountered or you think other people encounter?
5: Um, I think for me, like you, I guess it's probably unique to like being bi or pan or like not fully one way or the other is, like, there's all these people who are, like, definitely gay or definitely a lesbian or definitely straight. And it's, like, when you don't fit into those groups, it's, like, when you interact with these people and you're, like, wow, I really like being in this space. Does this mean that I am this? And, like, that was one of my big struggles was, like, okay, I like girls, so I must be a lesbian. But then I'm, like, but, like, I don't dislike boys. So, like, what where does what does that make me? Like, do I, do I fit in? there's not a lot of discussion about being in the middle or, like, a flexibility with it.
0: Generally speaking, also, like, a lot of these manifestly, like, they're supposed to be queer spaces, but, like, they tend to have, like, at some point or another fallen to, like, someone who is, like, on one side or the other of, like, a binary. And so they tend to, like, kind of be path-dependent at that point. So it's, like, really hard, like, once you've existed in a binary to then be like wait let's open it back up because then you need like people outside the binary to be willing to come in and engage with the space and so yeah damn (laughs) (laughs) hashtag end by erasure like (laughs) let's transition a bit
1: so we talked about how college can allow you to bring can either allow you to open up or bring like other people with you and other baggage but I remember talking to some of like some people who came out later in college and who are in Greek life saying that they were a little dissatisfied with the way that their like Greek organization received them coming out. And not in the sense that people didn't accept them. They were like, Oh yeah, we don't care, but you're still you even if you're gay, even if you're this where it's like, No, maybe you should be a little bit more careful and like treat me a little bit different because I told you something about my identity that you need to respect. Um, so I thought maybe you might have some thoughts on that because you are Greek
4: gal over here. I'm a Greek gal I'm very involved actually I'm on my executive board so I've been a bit of a leader um, in my respective sororities which I think actually gave me more power and more confidence to come out. Obviously my freshman year I was still very closeted um, sophomore year as well then I did Seattle I went abroad and once I came back um, that's when during abroad I got my executive board position and so when I came back I was just kind of like I'm not—I didn't, I didn't want to, like, come out to my sorority. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like, being the only queer woman there, I didn't want to, like— I was, I'm not big on, like, you know, wearing my flag and, like, running around being like, hey, I'm super, super queer. I'm out, like, kissing hoes on the streets. Like, that's not what I wanted to do because, like you said, I, I wanted to live my life as if nothing had changed. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, people should be more sensitive with things about my identity it, in what they're saying, and they should be careful with their words. Um, but I've never really had that issue in my sorority. I think everyone there was pretty understanding. And the way I came out to them was just bringing a girl I liked to my formal and, like, diff Yeah. Nice. <laughs> that was basically how I came out to people. Oh, cinematic. Yeah, I it's know. It's like a season finale. Yeah. Yeah. Literally a season yeah. finale. <laughs> <laughs> Period. And But that's, like, slowly my friends did figure it out during the semester. But it was mm-hmm. more like I would come home from, like, a Copa date. And they'd be like, oh, Danny, where were you? I was like, oh, I was on... I was on a date and they're like, Oh, with who? I was like some girl, you know, I met on Tinder, like some girl I met on whatever, and so that's that's the way I was coming out. Like I wasn't really like, Hey, let me sit you down, let me have a conversation about Uh, this. You were just living it. I was just living it. Yeah. And and that was and that was okay. Like everyone I think in my sorority fully accepted that and like I I enjoy that they don't treat me differently. And um, at least in my sorority, we do have a lot of like workshops. Um, Because we have a diversity committee, a wellness committee, and, like, we've brought in, like, the LGBT people in campus health to talk about sexuality and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, the community that I have there is, like, pretty open. I am outspoken, too, because I am actually in a position. So I'm the new member educator. So I'm in a position to mold the minds of the young members.
0: The gay agenda. Exactly. (laughs) Yes, ma'am.
4: So, you know, I, like, let them know, like, who I am and, like, what we're about in the sorority. And that if you are not okay with that, you should step out mm-hmm. and, like, leave.
1: Yeah. That's so good because I think it's also so encouraging for people. Like, new members, a lot of them are probably freshmen who are, like, experimenting or thinking about themselves. It probably makes them feel way more comfortable to be in this space where they're like, hey, like,
0: I know Danny. Like, you know, it's nice. Yeah. I
1: see someone in, in power that's just like me or might be just like me, which is awesome. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being here. Anytime. I would love to be back.
5: Thanks for having me. It was yeah. a pleasure to be here.
6: It was like a, a pleasure being here. Bye. <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you for listening to Bottoms on Top with
1: myself, and Andreas Pavlou,
0: and me, Prakash Mishra. You We'd you like to thank our podcast producer, Ali Johnson, our
1: editor and executive creative consultant, Sammy Gordon, Wexler Recording Studio in and Kelly Writers, and Writers House, Julius Gore who made our cover art, and Andrew Ellis, who created our theme song. Find them on SoundCloud at Dummy Fresh. We love y'all. See you again in two weeks.